are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, January 24th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds. It'll help me out tremendously. And it's all for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. It's all for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. And first and foremost, folks, what a wild weekend of sports we all just witnessed. An amazing, incredible weekend of NFL football. All four playoff games were wire to wire, came down to the final snap of the game. Uh, and the weekend was capped off by arguably the craziest game in any sport that I've ever seen in my entire life between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. It was incredible. Great weekend for NFL football. And also, UFC, for all my fight fans out there, they had an incredible card on Saturday night as well. Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan squaring off for the heavyweight championship of the world. It was an amazing weekend for sports. Except for the Chicago Blackhawks. They were the only ones that did not live up to the hype and excitement from the, from the sports world with, with their two games this weekend. On the show today, folks, I'll go over the Hawks dropping both games of their weekend home-and-home home against the Minnesota Wild. I'll also talk about goaltender Kevin Lankinen getting placed on injured reserve with Arvid Soderblom now set to serve as the backup going forward. I'll also preview the Blackhawks matchup tonight with the ever-dangerous Colorado Avalanche. And then, per usual, to wrap things up today will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. To start things off today, though, folks, let's get into those back-to-back losses from the Blackhawks to the hands of the Minnesota Wild over the weekend. Ah. And once again, the Hawks are now in the midst of a three-game losing streak here. The roller coaster ride that is this season only further continues on. We lose six games, then we win four in a row. And now we've lost three consecutive games after that. It's like, come on. And I think for a lot of us fans, you know, that's been one of the most frustrating parts to this team this year. You know, we know they can string together wins or, or at least, you know, avoid these longer losing skids, but uh, the lack of consistency all across the board, at least for me, has to be the most annoying part with this club so far this season, and that only continued on over the weekend, it seemed. Um, And on Friday, this was a good opportunity for the Blackhawks, I felt like. Marc-Andre Fleury was, was back in net, making his eighth consecutive start. The game was at the United Center, back at home. I really felt like it was going to be the Blackhawks' best opportunity 
to get a win over the weekend, you know, with Lankanen probably set to make his return on Saturday with the team going on the road. Um, but that game on Friday, whew, boy, did it get out of hand in a hurry. Uh, the Wild struck, I believe, just two and a half minutes in. The Hawks actually had an early power play opportunity, but uh, the Wild were the ones who grabbed the early lead as uh, Marcus Felino had a tap-in goal after some terrible defense by the Blackhawks in front. Uh, that was kind of a common theme in this one on Friday. And then also in that first period, former Blackhawk Ryan Hartman not not only scored once, but he scored twice in that first period to strike his revenge on the Blackhawks. And just like that, it was 3 to nothing Minnesota in the first period. The only positive I had from that opening 20 minutes was I did put money on Ryan Hartman anytime goal scorer in his return to the United Center. I just had a feeling playing on that top line with Kirill Kaprizov, Hartman was going to find a way to score a goal in one of the, one of these two games over the weekend. So uh, that was probably the only good part, at least for on my end, uh, um, of the Blackhawks being down 3 to nothing in that first period. But again, it was just another game where, bang, just like that, it's essentially over right there and then in the first period because... Um, the Blackhawks, think about it. How, how many times do they score four goals in a game? Basically zilch. That, that basically doesn't happen. So um, this also has been an issue for the Blackhawks. It feels like all season long where they put themselves in an early hole and the game's already over with, the, with what they've done to themselves in the first period. And this game in particular, you know, for being a Friday night, uh, a big home game, against one of the top teams in the entire league, a division rival as well. Um, it, it was sad. Minnesota jumped ahead 3 to nothing in the first period and basically game, set, match right there and then. Um, so that, that was definitely discouraging to see, uh, especially because the defense didn't really help out Marc-Andre Fleury. There was a bad goal in there in between those three goals, but um, no one was really ready from the Blackhawks in the first period. And uh, then in the second, even though the Blackhawks were playing a little bit better, um, the Wild were the ones who kept finding the back of the net to extend their lead, eventually getting things to 5 to nothing. Marc-Andre Fleury was pulled after stopping just 9 of 13 shots faced. Again, you can't really blame Fleury for all of those. He did have uh, a couple of softies in those four, but it, it definitely wasn't all his fault either. And, and even though... It doesn't look good when you allow four goals on 13 shots. Um, out of those 13 shots, even though the Blackhawks had had the advantage in shots on goal, they were out shooting Minnesota 27 to 19 through 30 minutes. The Wild was the team who was actually getting the better high danger chances and getting more scoring opportunities because despite having 27 shots on goal through two periods, the Blackhawks had only generated two. High danger chances, not at even strength in all situations. Three power play opportunities, two high danger chances through the opening 40 minutes. That's unbelievable. And that just goes to show you the struggles of this Blackhawks offense. They can't get anything from the high danger areas. They rarely get shots off from the slot. It's so frustrating to watch. So it doesn't even really matter if they're just flick, flicking shots on net from uh, the blue line and from bad areas. Kakinen, who he was on top of his game. He was able to gobble all those up and never really allowed the Blackhawks offense to get any sort of life with like a garbage goal or anything of that sort. So 
When the Blackhawks aren't scoring garbage goals, they're not getting very many chances from the high-danger areas. That's a bad combination for this offense, and that's what it what led to Minnesota being up 5 to nothing through 40 minutes. The Hawks did finally go on to uh, break Kakinen's shutout there in the third period with a goal from Dylan Strome, um, but it was already garbage time at that point, so didn't really matter all that much, except it extended Patrick Kane's point streak to nine games. But that didn't really matter. Undoubtedly, a dis- disappointing, disheartening, discouraging, all the above, 5-1 to one loss for the Blackhawks at home on Friday night. It was like, I really wanted to turn the game off. And there have been many times like that this season, but they're even worse when they happen on Friday nights, let me tell you. Um, and I actually had a buddy at the game, and he said it was the saddest atmosphere he had ever seen for a weekend game at the United Center. So. Let me get a sip of water real quick, folks. <clears throat> Raspy in the voice. I don't know why. <sighs> yeah, it was sad. <laughs> um, and after, you know, that one-sided outcome, 5-1 to one loss for the Blackhawks, considering how uh, those two teams were squaring off once again less than 24 hours later, I don't think I speak for myself when I say... Uh, I was pretty nervous about what could happen in Minnesota coming the next day, especially with Kevin Lankinen in line to make his first start in well over a month for the Blackhawks. But I was actually pleasantly surprised with the effort by the Blackhawks early on in this game up in Minnesota. Unlike Friday at home, the Hawks actually had a lot of energy in the opening 20 minutes. Uh, And by the way, one stat I saw on Twitter after Friday's disaster of a first period, the Hawks, heading into Saturday, heading into the second game against Minnesota, had officially been outscored 45-22 to in the opening frame this season. 45-22. to Basically getting doubled up in the first period. For a team that can't score goals very easily themselves, the Blackhawks sure love getting in a bad habit of falling behind early on in the game. That is not a recipe for success from this team. So uh, I thought it was very key for the Hawks to put up a better fight on Saturday. They had to get off to a better start, and I was very pleased with the much-improved effort, especially coming in a hostile environment like Minnesota on a Saturday night. And this time, the Blackhawks were the ones that grabbed an early lead. Henrik Borgstrom opened the scoring with a redirect. That was his third goal of the season, but first since all the way back on December 9th. It had been a month and a half for Borgie. That put the Blackhawks ahead 1-0 with his redirect. I'm sure that had to feel good for the youngster, uh, the young Finn. In his return to the lineup, he was healthy, scratched for Mike, Mike Hardman in the game prior. So that put the Blackhawks ahead 1-0, and then later on in the first period, The Hawks actually scored a power play goal, believe it or not, as uh, Seth Jones made an incredible extra feed to find DeBrinckit for the one-timer. That was the Cats' 24th goal of the season. He stays hot, one of the few guys that consistently lights the lamp for this team, and that put the Blackhawks ahead 2-0 early on in St. Paul. Um, But for those of you who tuned into Friday's episode, one thing in particular that Seth Topal from Lockdown Wild mentioned to me was that this Wild team 
is never out of a game. They are the comeback kings, and it really doesn't matter the deficit. And I was worried that was going to be the case in this one. Um, and that's exactly what we saw numerous times on Saturday night out of Minnesota. Once the Blackhawks jumped ahead 2 to nothing, they got off to a great start. All the momentum was in their favor. But I think a real key change of the tides was in the final minute of the first. Minnesota gets their opening power play opportunity of the game. And Joel Eriksson-Eck, the man who just returned to the lineup the night prior, <clears throat> winds up scoring a, a massive power play goal just a few seconds in to cut the Hawks' lead in half right before the intermission. And those momentum goals, the first couple minutes to start a period and the final couple minutes to end a period, those are the huge momentum goals. I'll also throw in uh, the first couple of minutes after a team scores a goal. Those are kind of the times of the game where the momentum can shift, right? And Minnesota, I thought, um, really capitalized on that power play opportunity late in the first period, not only by cutting the Blackhawks' lead in half, but by also establishing some momentum there, getting into uh, the first intermission and then trying to pick it up in the second, and that's exactly what we saw. Second period was basically all Minnesota. Fortunately, Kevin Lankinen was just standing on his head to keep the Blackhawks up by a score of 2-1. to one. That wound up being the score going into the second intermission as well, thanks to Lankinen. But then midway through the third, the Hawks got caught playing with fire for too long. They've been playing with fire for basically like the last 30 minutes. Um, but eventually, Lankinen couldn't stop them all. Kirill Kaprizov tied the game 2-2 two to two with yet another power play goal for the Wild. And just like that, there goes the Blackhawks' lead in the third period. Great. However, less than two minutes after Kaprizov tied it, Fourth line worldwide, baby. Henrik Borgstrom winds up scoring the grindiest of grindy goals for his second of the game for the Hawks to take the lead right back 3-2. to two. Uh, it, it was kind of just a mad scramble in front of Kakin, and I actually thought Carpenter was the one who originally poked it in, but once I looked at the replay, it looked like Borgstrom got the whack in there, and then uh, it was kind of a delayed like glide. The puck had to barely have been moving through Kakinen's wickets, uh, but it had enough steam to get over that goal line, and the Blackhawks once again had a one-goal lead late in the third period, uh, but this wild team, they're never down and out in a game. doesn't matter how much time is left, and uh, they once again found a way to knot things up before it was too late. Um, Kevin Fiala corral the rebound in front he made a couple of nifty stick handles to get himself some open ice and then uh beat Lankinen with the backhand to tie the score three to three with Kakinen on the bench for the extra attacker by the way that marked the 12th goal already this season that the wild have scored with their goaltender on the bench that's absolutely unbelievable for being only halfway through the season that would be an incredible number through 82 like 12 extra attacker goals through the Wild have four or five games less than the Blackhawks through 37 games or something like that. That's ridiculous. There's no wonder they only have 10 regulation losses this season. Um, but that late goal from Fiala wound up forcing overtime. The momentum, even before that, was completely on the Wild side. I mean, they were taking it to the Blackhawks in, in the final uh, 40 minutes there. I believe, uh, let me go pull up the number real quick. I think the Hawks got doubled up on their shots on goal in those final two periods. It was 36-19 to 19 
in favor of the Wild throughout the uh, final two periods of regulation as well as overtime. So nearly getting doubled up were the Blackhawks. Um, It goes to overtime. Still had an opportunity to come away with the extra point. It would have been massive to just get two points to split the series against a really good wild team, especially with uh, that win or with that win would be coming on the road if they wound up pulling it off. But as we all know, that did not wind up being the case. Jordan Greenway and uh, Marcus Foligno take advantage of uh, some shoddy defense by the Blackhawks once again to pick up the game winner in overtime. Uh, Oh, boy. Hawks had their chances but couldn't hang on several different times in this one. They do pick up at least one point with the overtime loss. But they wound up dropping both games of the back-to-back over the weekend against Minnesota. The losing streak hits three games, and the Hawks fall to 15-19-7 as they now have officially hit the midway point of the regular season. All right, there is a recap of the Blackhawks' back-to-back losses to the Wild over the weekend. Coming up in just a moment, I will talk about Kevin Lankinen getting placed on injured reserve. Plus, I'll go over a preview of tonight's contest against the Colorado Avalanche. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or even eating healthier, then make sure you include a Built Bar in your plan because right now you can get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go with raspberry or mint brownie, coconut almond or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Either way that you choose, Built Bar makes it easier for you to stick to your resolutions because they taste so good, you'll actually want to eat them. Unlike some other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or even taste like a chemical spill. And even if you're not a fan of working out, you can at least eat something healthy that also tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer, go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15. That's one word LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment two on the show here today, I also wanted to be sure to talk for a moment on the latest roster moves that the Blackhawks made following their back-to-back losses against the Minnesota Wild this weekend. First, apparently, I guess, uh, goaltender Kevin Lankinen suffered some sort of injury to his right hand on Saturday night. I didn't see a moment or... Anything in particular that looked like it could have caused an injury, but the Hawks did place Lankinen on injured reserve yesterday, and he is expected to miss some time here going forward, which has to be just such a tough moment for Lankinen, you know, after playing so well in his first start in over a month for the Blackhawks. He was standing on his head, literally the only reason why the Blackhawks were up 2-1 to going into that third period, why they were in it late, why they were able to pick up a point. It was because of Kevin Lankinen. He finally gets back on the ice after dealing with COVID. He looks great, and then boom, 
Now he's going to be forced to miss some time here once again. Uh, and I imagine after how good he looked on Saturday, had he not suffered that injury, you know what, this team kind of still sitting at the bottom of the standings, seven points back, but they're the third worst team in the Western Conference, only ahead of the Arizona Coyotes and the Seattle Kraken, who we have lost to both of those teams this year. So considering that, considering the position the Blackhawks are in, considering Lankinen looked really good in his first start in over a month, I imagine that um, Lankinen was about to be in line to get some more consistent starts, to start being in net on a little bit more of a regular basis, especially with trade talks surrounding Marc-Andre Fleury picking up. So kind of a double whammy for Lankinen here, suffering that injury, expected to miss some time. I don't think it's anything too serious, but I do believe he's going to miss the next handful of games for the Hawks. And because of that, the Hawks have already recalled Arvid Soderblom from the Rockford Icehawks to now serve as the number two with Lankinen being out. We'll see how many starts Soderblom winds up getting here, um, but uh, I highly doubt he's going to get thrown into the fire against the, Cal- uh, the Colorado Avalanche later tonight. By the way, folks, not only are the Colorado Avalanche the top team in the Central Division and also the Western Conference, but they have also won 15 consecutive games at home, 15 in a row. You gotta figure Flurry will be back in that for the Blackhawks tonight. I don't think they want to throw Arvid Soderblom right into that fire. Um, and Flurry has also started both games against the Avs so far here this season as well. So uh, he's got a little bit of experience. The Hawks actually looked pretty good in their last meeting against the Avs. They just unfortunately came out on the wrong end of the final outcome. Um, but it's gonna be another tough. Tough task, undoubtedly, for Flower and the Blackhawks defense here tonight, going up against a red-hot Colorado Avalanche team at the Pepsi Center. Also, aside from uh, Lankinen being placed on injured reserve, the Hawks placed two other players on IR recently as well. Riley Stillman actually suffered a shoulder injury during Friday's game versus Minnesota. He's now expected to miss a handful of games here, too. Uh, and then Jujar Kara was out for both games over the weekend due to a lower back injury, I guess. Again, like Lincoln, and, um, when Kara played against the Kraken, I didn't see anything that suggested he suffered an injury, but uh, that's another, another tough blow for Kara there as well. He's not only had a tough time staying healthy this season, but he's also uh, kind of been injury-plagued throughout his NHL career that's only unfortunately continued on here a little bit so far in his stint with the Blackhawks um but with Kara out that actually led to Henrik Borgstrom getting a crack on the fourth line in Saturday's game he went on to make the most of it two goals in that game for Borgie so excuse me so uh hopefully you know that will be what can finally get him going here in his first season with the Blackhawks. Borgstrom just has not been able to pick up anything consistently, even when he's been given a top-line role with guys like Patrick Kane and Brandon Hagel. Still not a ton of consistent output, but maybe after getting it going with the fourth-line grinders, fourth-line world line, maybe that's exactly what Borgstrom needed to get him going. Um... But I also wanted to mention, with Stillman out of the lineup for the next few games, Caleb Jones obviously was the one who drew in on Saturday against the Wild. But Wyatt Kalanuck has been moved 
to the active roster for the Blackhawks as well after he was placed on the taxi squad recently. And with little brother Caleb, quite frankly, struggling to really show why he should be a regular in this Blackhawks lineup, I would really like to see Kalanuck finally get a stretch of games here at the NHL level. And at the end of last season, not all that long ago, Kalanuck was on a stretch where he was playing some big-time minutes for this team and was also providing some much-needed offense from the blue line. And fast-forward a year, and the Hawks could still undoubtedly use some of that help on offense from their defensemen, especially with uh, Riley Stillman out of the lineup, whose offense is kind of randomly taken a step here as of late. Um, but I personally would like to see Cal Nuck jump into the Blackhawks lineup for Caleb Jones tonight against Colorado. That would be my one change that I would make on defense here. As for the rest of the lineup, the Hawks literally just took the ice as I'm recording this. I gave them 15 minutes. Doesn't look like uh, they're going through line rushes, at least to this point. If that changes while I'm recording, I'll be sure to update. But looks like um, Derek King's leaving us in the dark a little bit as to what the forward lines or defensive pairings would be. I did already mention earlier, though, my one change on defense would be Wyatt Kalanuck jumping in for Caleb Jones. That would be my one change. But with the forward group, I think once again, you got to stick with Brandon Hagel, Dylan Strom, and Patrick Kane up top. Those three were the Hawks' best line over the weekend against the Minnesota Wild. Dylan Strom has been incredible. He's been racking up points recently. I believe he now has six points in his last seven games or five of six. Um, but he's also now at 56% from the faceoff dot this season. Dylan Strom is playing just fine at center. I would really like Derek King and the Blackhawks to leave him alone in this top-line center position because that trio's been good. Dylan Strom's been good. He's been responsible at the dot, and he's chipping in offensively, basically doing everything we could ask for him right now. So I really do expect and hope that top line remains together. Brandon Hagel, Dylan Strom, Patrick Kane. The second line, it had been Alex Dabrinkit, Jonathan Taze, and Dominic Kubalik for the last little while. But interestingly enough, Derek King decided to move Sam Lafferty up to the second line with Tazen Dabrinkit, and that is just a move I do not agree with at all. Kubalik was finally getting it going. He was getting his chances, been getting his breakaways and scoring on them, most importantly, and that trio had been looking just fine. There's no reason that Dabrinkit, Taze, and Kubalik can't be a good second line. So I really do hope that um, Derek King goes back to those three as the second line once again here tonight against the Avs. As for the third line, I think you got to have Philip Kershev and Kirby Doc there. But the question is, who's going to be down that third third line right wing spot, right? Is Kubalik going to be back up on the second line, or is King still going to have him down a spot? I prefer Kubalik up on the second line, but we'll see what King does. Personally, I think Henrik Borgstrom could be due for a chance there. I know we just had a good game with the fourth line, and maybe you want to stick with that, stick with the fourth line of he, uh, Carpenter, and who else was on that fourth line? Oh, my. He, Carpenter, and I'm going to have to go back. But I, I think Borgstrom could be due for an uptick here. Two goals the other game. We know he's got some offensive skills in his bag. We just need to see it more consistently. That's really been the biggest issue for Borgstrom this season. And also, he's been in and out of the lineup. It was Borgstrom, Carpenter, and Entwistle on Saturday against the Minnesota Wild. 
Um, it's going to be interesting who's on that third line spot, but I would personally like to see Henrik Borgstrom get a look with Kirby Doc and Philip Kershev tonight. And that would leave a fourth line of Mackenzie Entwistle, Sam Lafferty, who Derek King himself has said he likes playing him at center, so I'm not sure really why he was the one to jump up on the second line with DeBrinket and Taves to start Saturday's game. Um, but I expect Lafferty to be back in a fourth-line role. He and Carpenter, I think, are both those good fourth-line guys. And then uh, whoever doesn't get the nod on the third line with Kershev and Doc, I think, is going to be serving there on the fourth line, which is probably McKenzie and Whistle. That would leave Brett Connolly as the odd man out for the forward group. And if I'm right about Wyatt Kalnick jumping in on defense, then Caleb Jones would be the odd man out for the Blackhawks uh, on the blue line. I think Eric Gustafson, he's been putting up points on a regular basis since returning from COVID protocol. I know he's always going to be a liability on defense, but he has been one of the few defensemen that's been chipping in offensively, and the Blackhawks need that, so I get why he's staying in the lineup. Um, but I really do think Wyatt Kalanuck would be a good insertion there as well. Um, but we're just going to have to wait and see what Derek King says with the media here in a little bit because he didn't really give us any tidbits at what he could be going with for his lineup during the Blackhawks morning skate. All right, I think that takes care of my preview of the Blackhawks matchup tonight with the Colorado Avalanche. Coming up in just a moment, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season long on more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season in the NFL may be just the best weekend of playoff football I've ever seen, they now are marching towards the conference championships. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action here in 2022. Head on over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code that's locked on, one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You just got to use our exclusive promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive your bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks, getting into segment three on the show today. Before I let you all go, enjoy the rest of your days. I still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. The first question I want to answer today comes from at Patrick53Huddy on Twitter, Patrick Hutton, who asked, possible mock trades for the Hawks at the deadline. All right, let me get the Blackhawks old cap friendly up here real quick. But I do expect the Blackhawks to be at least fairly active in the next couple of months. Two months still before the NHL trade deadline, but uh, 
with the Blackhawks still sitting towards the bottom of the standings, I also wouldn't be all that surprised to see them starting to get aggressive here in the next couple of weeks. And they have a couple of players in particular who I think a lot of people expect them to uh, at least try to move on from. And first and foremost, you got to start with Marc-Andre Fleury, right? I mean... There's been rumors coming out recently that the Blackhawks haven't even talked to him about a possible extension. Fleury, of course, came out and said he's still focused about the here and now in Chicago. There is a slight chance that he remains with the Blackhawks throughout the rest of the season, but the only way that happens is because Marc-Andre Fleury, the only way that would happen is if Marc-Andre Fleury tells the organization, you cannot trade me because I took a chance by coming here in the first place. I do not want to move my family again. I don't care about winning another Stanley Cup. That's the only way Marc-Andre Fleury isn't getting traded by the Blackhawks. And honestly, I know he's a great teammate, and obviously he's not going to tell the media that he's focused on, you know, maybe, or even thinking about going somewhere else through trade, but uh, knowing the type of competitor Marc-Andre Fleury is, I know the family aspect definitely has a lot of weight here in the decision, but... I'd just be shocked, personally, if he doesn't at least give it one more stab here. Being 37 years old, he's on the final year of his current contract. The Blackhawks will probably be willing to eat a good chunk of that just to move him because they realize he's their their best opportunity at netting a first-round pick. And um, I bet they'd be willing to eat more than 50% if a team's willing willing to give them a first. That's how desperate this Blackhawks team is. So, um, obviously, there's a lot of things that tie into this deal. Flurry's 10-team no-trade clause, the contract, where he wants to go, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of things that play into it. But I do think the Blackhawks are going to be pushing. They're, they know that this is, this is it. It's probably their best hope of getting a first-round pick, unless they do something drastic. So I do expect the Blackhawks to be trying to move Marc-Andre Fleury here the next couple of months. I, It's tough to, to think if he goes for a first. The only reason why I really do believe he will is because I think the Blackhawks, because this is only the final year of his deal, I think, why not? They'll eat $5.5 million, $5 million of that deal to get a first-round pick, right? They're already paying him seven while he's still here. If the playoffs are out of the picture, why not eat a good chunk of that to get you a first-round pick to help out another team who's trying to win, who doesn't have the money? Well, we can help you out. You give us a first, we'll eat a pretty good chunk of that deal. So that's why I do have a, a good hope, at least, that Marc-Andre Fleury will be netting a first-round pick in exchange. But it's interesting. Second-round pick was what the Blackhawks got for Robin Leonard a couple of years back. I don't know how things change in the COVID world in that department. Obviously, money's a little bit tighter for franchises, but um, I do still think the Blackhawks are going to get a first-round pick for Marc-Andre Fleury. At least I'm very hopeful because they desperately need to add some high-end talent to their prospect pool. Another guy who I do expect to be traded, and I honestly think this could come first, is Calvin DeHaan. He's got one year left on his contract, $4.55 million. again. Uh, I think the Blackhawks could be willing to eat a little bit of that if uh, a team just wants to have DeHaan for a playoff rental. But the Blackhawks should be all over this. I mean, I like Kelvin DeHaan. I love how he sacrifices his body. But since he's been here, there hasn't been a whole lot of success while he's been on a shutdown pairing. I don't know if 
that's because of him or if he's just a factor of the team not being very good. It's tough to judge defensemen like him in these times. But um, with the Blackhawks having plenty of defensemen in their prospect pool who they are still high on, and it sounds like Kyle Davidson, as long as he's going to be in charge, he's going to be patient with guys like Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan and even Jakob Galvis, uh, Wyatt Kalanuck, Alec Regula. There are some names there, and the Blackhawks kind of need those guys to pan out well over the next couple of years. So unlike Stan Bowman, there's going to be no rush on that end. Um, but considering the plethora of defensemen that are going to be trying to make the jump in the next few years, you know, you got a guy like Seth Jones locked up for the next nine with that money. Can't imagine he's going anywhere anytime soon. Jake McCabe just signed a four-year extension in the offseason. Connor Murphy just got an extension. All those guys are tied up. So the one guy who really isn't here, uh, other than, you know, obviously Caleb Jones and Eric Gustafson, um, is Calvin DeHaan. So I fully expect the Blackhawks to trade Calvin in the next month or two. Um, as for what the Hawks could get in return, probably leaning towards a third. I don't think it's going to get any higher than that. Third or a fourth, I, I'd bet, but uh, I do believe it could be a third if the Blackhawks are willing to retain a little bit of that salary as well. Uh, and then another guy like Dominic Kubalik, final year of his contract. He is still a restricted free agent, but he does have arbitration rights. $3.7 million. This is an interesting situation because Kubi has not had the year that neither he nor the Blackhawks had hoped for um, but that could actually be helpful for this team going forward because he might not command as much on the free agent market, especially being an RFA and, you know, going to arbitration and arguing his numbers. He doesn't really have that much of an argument this season. Now, the past two years, they were really good. But this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And uh, Kubalik, well, he has been a little bit better as of late. He's finding some chemistry with Jonathan Taze and Alex Dabrinkit on that second line. Um, he still hasn't put up the best numbers overall on the year. So I'm interested to see what the Blackhawks are going to do here. But Kubalik is a guy they are rumored to be looking at moving. Uh, and that, to me, seems like a second-round pick, potentially, or maybe a third. The RFA, you know, with only one year coming left on his contract. It's an expiring deal. That does make it a little risky for a team to trade for him, but uh, I'd probably guess a second to third round pick for Dominic Kubelik. Second round pick would be great. Um, third round pick is probably a little more likely, I would say, at this point. Um, and then there's obviously Dylan Strom, but he's been on the trade block forever, and um, teams aren't really biting right now. We'll see if that picks up a little bit at the deadline, but his situation is a little interesting. $3 million for kind of a tweener. I will say Dylan Strom has been fantastic as of late for the Blackhawks. He's been a great center iceman. He's put up great numbers. If I was another NHL franchise, I would go and get Dylan Strom. But I also understand why they're a little hesitant to give up assets for him when he could very well be on the open market in just a couple of months. So um, there's a couple of chances you'd have to take there on Dylan Strom. I just think it's going to come down to who wants to take that chance that's going to determine whether or not the Blackhawks are going to move him. Um, other than that, Ryan Carpenter is an expiring deal who I could see getting moved for a, a fourth or a fifth round pick. Um, maybe Sam Lafferty is on the move once again, but I think those are the main players to keep an eye on for the Blackhawks' sake uh, as we approach the trade deadline in the next couple of months. 
The next question I want to answer, I'm actually going to kind of combine these two questions for time's sake here, um, but I got one question from at Moncada underscore season on Twitter, and then one from at Corey Seacrest. I think that's Seacrest. Hope I didn't botch that, but the first question from uh, Jordan or Moncada underscore season says, Many young players who struggle at the NHL level seem to find their game again in the AHL. With this being said, would you send Kirby Doc to the AHL for a small stint just to help him regain his confidence? Real quick, I'm I'm open to it, but I don't know if the Blackhawks are going to go that route. Kirby Doc is 21 years old now. I think the time to do that would have been earlier on the first couple of weeks of the year, but he looked pretty good at the start of the season. He slowed down as things have gone on. I don't know if that's the best thing for him. I have thought the same thing myself, though, because when I go to practice and when I see Kirby Doc, he just looks like a kid who is deflated out there, completely deflated. I don't know if it's with the team or with himself or both, everything that just comes with, you know, the weight that's kind of on his shoulders to be the next top center for the Blackhawks. Um, He just doesn't look like he's having a whole lot of fun right now. So I've thought about, you know, the idea of sending him down to Rockford just to put a smile on his face, to go have some fun and get that confidence back up. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I just don't know if the Blackhawks are actually going to go this route now that we're already halfway through the regular season. The question from Corey Seacrest excuse me, says, With a limited prospect pool, what are some ways that the Blackhawks can refill the cupboards or change the coaching staff around to maximize the development of their current prospect group? I'm actually glad you asked this, Corey, because... Um, the Blackhawks, the biggest issue for them, I think, the past several seasons, not only with their performance on the ice, is that um, they haven't been able to develop anyone other than Alex Dabrinkit. No one's really developed all that well for the Blackhawks in the past few years, and anytime anyone shows a little bit of life, Stan Bowman traded him, so that's left the team in this tough spot here, but I really liked what Kyle Davids had said earlier about Um, or what I talked about earlier, what Kyle Davidson had said, was that he's not going to rush things with these prospects, right? He's going to give Nicholas Bodan some time. He's going to give Ian Mitchell some time. They're not rushing Lucas Reichel right now. I like that method because clearly what they had done with the coaches and the development, you know, um, the development guys, Chris Kunitz and those guys, no offense to them, all great people, they got to go. This is horrible. No one's developed. We don't have any skill. It makes me want to rip my hair out. Seeing all these other teams develop these young players so well and they go on to help out their team. And the Blackhawks have done that with one guy in three freaking years. All the development guys, in my opinion, they got to go. This has to be a fresh start. I don't think anyone should be here. On the coaching staff. I know in my bold predictions earlier, I said Derek King would be head coach of the Blackhawks, but I said that with the hope. It was a bold prediction. I said that with a hope that the Blackhawks would turn it around in the second half. Their shooting percentage was down. They had some bad luck. They had COVID issues. Jonathan Taze was barely scoring. I thought they were going to be able to turn it around. Kubalik was barely scoring. Dylan Strom was barely scoring. I thought a turnaround was coming. I've been wrong. And overall, with the Blackhawks' inability, to develop guys. Derek King's part of that. He's been the rock for Ice Hogs head coach. I think he ultimately is going to have to go. Along with everyone who's in this organization. Except for the front office guys. Because they don't have the hands-on development tools. Right? They're just building the teams. But everyone who's had the hands-on effect. 
what these players in the past three or four years haven't done nearly a good enough job. So um, I like Kyle Davidson's mentality of now just being as patient as can be because uh, with first-round pick like Nicholas Bodan, a high second-round pick like Ian Mitchell, these guys have to pan out into something. That's really crucial for the Blackhawks. So I think being patient is a big part of that, but I also think the Blackhawks need different developing minds coming in because clearly what they have right now has not been working well enough. Alex Dabrinkit is literally the only guy they've developed in the last five, six years. So I think the way the Blackhawks got to do it is there's got to be a change. There's no way around it because it just simply has not been good enough and they haven't been able to develop enough high-end talent. Sure, they've developed, you know, third-pairing defensemen and bottom six tweeners, but they haven't really developed very many core pieces. And that's been the biggest issue with the Chicago Blackhawks. They haven't given themselves very much help since the Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane era because they've traded all their first-round picks and high-end prospects thanks to former general manager Stan Bowman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, January 24th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, go Hawks. Let's go and try at least to pick up a massive upset win on the road against the Colorado Avalanche. And thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.